night. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Gonna be talking about the love of Jesus Christ today. And so God is with us, right? If you've heard of Adam Smith's version of the invisible hand, right? There's an invisible hand that is motivating each member of society <clears throat> to go out into the world and press forth, forth towards their dreams, right? Towards some sort of purpose, right? It's, it calls it the invisible hand, right? Our own interests will drive us to move, right? Spur us to action. Interestingly enough, the Australian government believes that if they produce a society that is enjoyable for the participants of that society, <coughs> then the happy participants of that society will indeed work, help, help the society, build the culture, build things up, and you will produce not only a <coughs> effective thriving culture, but also less of uh, the counterculture that you see present here in the United States today. And so this invisible hand theory is much like God himself moving uh, through our lives, though we may not yet perceive it, though it may be just outside of our sight, the Lord God of all Israel is producing leading, guiding his good and faithful servants into that land of milk and honey, into the land of their dreams, step by step, day after day. Though you may perceive it as just the same thing, God is building day after day, one brick at a time, into a house. Then he builds that house into the cathedral, right? And if you Google some of the... Uh, <clears throat> European architecture, right, uh, of the cathedrals. Uh, they are absolutely magnificent buildings, right? And that's, that is what God is subtly building us into day after day. But you got to keep going, right? I'm always talking about how the spiritual is more important than the material. But both are important, right? Many scholars... Uh, many Christians believe, oh, we're supposed to surrender all these materials. That is the calling for some Christians, but not for all, right? Christ was being fed, i.e., right? There is that one instance, okay, so there's that one instance where Christ and the apostles, his disciples, are eating the grain in the grain field, right? But indeed, there had to be someone to plant that grain field to feed the flock, right? God's flock. And so we're all members of this body working together in tight unity, making sure not to ruffle each other's feathers so that that unity can be accomplished, so that that unity can be present among us. That unity that makes culture and society possible. And without it, there is no community. There's only warfare, right? There's there's only personal selfish interest without that unity, that <clears throat> divine call to reach out into something greater than just ourselves, to reach out beyond that which is merely human, right? Into the realms of the divine, into the crystal courts of heaven, where they are filled with love, mercy, compassion, generosity, benevolence, 
This is what we're talking about. This is what we're reaching for. We're reaching for that interior cathedral where we're building brick after brick, day after day. We're pressing into that love, that richness of spirit, that richness of the spiritual ways that will lead us into the crystal courts of heaven, into immortality, into Ouroboros, eternity, right? Uh, uh, that is the sometimes the actual Greek word that is used for heaven, Ouroboros. And it is, uh, it's the infinity symbol, right? Eternity is what it means. And so understanding that is important, right? While, while the symbol means heaven, right? It, it also means eternity, right? An eternity in heaven. A gifting, the promise, right? Christ came to lead us out of our sin. Christ came, right? And you might, you might be grasping. Okay, I'm just gonna jump in. Let's just skip that that point. I know I've been really, really hammering in my streams the uh, uh, accurate, accurate teachings, right? Accurate biblical teachings that that are <coughs> uh, being lost by many members of society unto their own destruction, right? You cannot practice a false covenant and enter into the kingdom of heaven. It won't happen. It, you can't do it. No man enters into heaven without love. You cannot be a loveless, cruel person and get into heaven. You have to cultivate the love, a wellspring of eternal life welling up within you. Do you understand? You have to press into the covenant of God to understand, to gain the wisdom, to internalize the wisdom so that you can develop yourself from that point of shackhood, right? You start as a shack, you're being developed into a cathedral, right? Well, we're not trying to stay in that point of shackhood in any sense in, of our lives. We don't want to stay financial shacks, right? Some members of the body may choose to be cathedrals of the spirit right but they will still need to be fed meals right we exist as spirit mind and body and you can't really separate any of those three right interestingly enough a trinity without <clears throat> without losing uh effective awesome christian doctrine right the effective principles portrayed spoken in the bible when you take them when you internalize them when you apply them to the spirit which god is seeking your spirit your heart your life will start to change right you'll start flowing your life will start to abound in ways you never thought possible uh Perhaps, right, there's hidden merits, there's hidden virtues within you that you haven't quite discovered yet. Well, when you start abounding, when you start uh, flowing, when you start unifying, right, walking out of alignment with this world into the next world, well, God will start flowing through you. These virtues that you may not know exist at present will start to stick out. And lo and behold, right, when you... When you, real, when you walk into that state of righteousness, right? You say, God, I'm done with this sinful stuff. I don't want to hurt other people. I want to build something awesome. I want to help other people. 
When you walk out of alignment with the world's greed, with the hatred of mankind, oh, this person has more, I'm jealous, I'm this, I'm that. These are all low, petty ways of thinking. When you see someone prospering, you say, good for you, man. That's awesome. Blessings on you. When you see someone given a greater portion than you, you study it from them. You say, how could I, how could I do that? How could I learn from that? Not, not go, uh, oh, you've got a bigger portion. Get, I'm throwing you out of my church. I don't want you around me, right? That is opposite to the Lord God of Israel, right? It is opposite to God. It's opposite to love. If you're push offish towards people or, oh, I don't want you in my life because you're taller than me or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, this is not foolishness where if there's a, if they're a predator or something like that, you still, you still let them around. No, that's, that's not how it works. But as long as they're a good Christian, Christian person, doesn't matter if they're greater than you because they won't do things that are hostile or uh, that separate the body, right? Ugh, that separate the body of Christ, that divide us. Things that cause us division are often against Christ. Things that cause us unity, things that bring us together are often of the Lord God of Israel. And so the ways of God are sort of congealing, bringing us together in this inseparable, unified, unstoppable army of the Lord God of Israel, in which that if you're a member of this community, if you've figured out the ways of God, you will be able to apply yourself, right? Uh, once you hit that state of righteousness, right, God will start springing up these uh, wheat heads or grain heads, whatever you want to call them, of your virtues. You'll be able to see them and recognize them. And when you recognize them, you'll be able to reach out and you say, I'm going to start going that way in my life. There's my cathedral. Now I can see it. I can see that I'm passionate, that I love this thing over here. I can see that I'm extremely drawn to this sort of purpose. I want to help other people. I want to build an altar for the Lord God of Israel. I want to write a book for God. Whatever it may be, whatever God, the Lord God of all Israel, has purposed your life for, it will come into view when you walk out of alignment with the Lord God into it well when you walk out of alignment with the material this world and you walk into alignment with the lord god of israel when you walk out of alignment with the dust and the sinfulness of this world and you walk into alignment with the with eternity right with heaven things will start getting clearer your purpose will come into view all things will become possible for you. You will realize what you're passionate about and you will start moving towards it. God helps. He guides. He leads his faithful servants. And there's nothing that can stop you from getting to that point as long as you keep walking with God. Now, free will itself is the ability to say no to God himself, right? And so if you tell God, God says, hey, I've got a purpose. I want you to go write a version of the Bible. I want you to go build a business. I want you to whatever. And you say, no, I'm going to watch Stranger Things. No, I'm going to watch The Housewives of New York, whatever, right? I don't watch that one. But uh, uh, something like that, right? If you're in alignment with God, he will lead you to where you ought to be, where you should be. 
each moment of every day. And you may not perceive it right. God's a very subtle guy, right? He doesn't, he doesn't often, well, he wants the praise, but he doesn't often demand the praise, right? However, uh, he does in the Bible demand praise sometimes. He says, I think it's Cyrus or Nebuchadnezzar. It's Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar, he says, if you don't recognize that I've exalted you to the point you are, and you have this kingdom that I've given you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punish you, right? And he does end up punishing Nebuchadnezzar. But rarely, I think that's probably one of the only times throughout the entire Bible, 1,350 pages, that you see God say, hey, I, I, I want some praise from you, <laughs> you know. I've exalted you over a kingdom, and you still won't recognize me, right? And so understanding this, you know, there's a lot of subtleties. There's a lot of real subtle wisdom in, in biblical practices, in uh, the doctrines of Christianity, of in God's ways, whatever you want to call them. Interestingly enough, right, Christ never says, oh, you've got to call yourself Christians. Uh, that's, that's, the Apostle Paul invents the term Christian, invents, right? He comes up with it. And Christian means of Christ, right? But who do Christians follow first, right? If they are actual Christians, who are they teaching? They're teaching Christ. Who do they follow first? They follow the red letters first. So that's why it's so important to make sure you get a red letter Bible, right? They're the words of the Messiah. They stand sovereign over all the other words in biblical teachings, right? And with modern Bibles, right, you'll find teachings that are opposite to Christ in there, right? Christ says, uh, if you truly believe in me, you'll do the works. Well, the Apostle Paul says, not by works, right? And so, obviously, it's a, mis it's a mistranslation. The author's messed up. It's just human error. The Apostle Paul would never, right? The Apostle Paul loved Jesus Christ deeply. He loved Christ so much that he dedicated his entire life to God in serving Jesus Christ, right? Teaching the doctrines of Christ. The Apostle Paul himself says, don't preach this, don't preach that. He says, preach Jesus Christ. He says we should all unify under Christ in Christ's body and preach the same things that he was preaching. Not, not uh, he's teaching opposite to Christ. It's nonsense. And so uh, that's why the tool, right, keep Christ's word sovereign is so important. Also, Jesus Christ himself suggests that no man comes to the Father but by me, i.e., no one in all existence enters into heaven except by the ways of Jesus Christ himself. No person in all existence enters into heaven, into immortality, except by the teachings of Christ alone, cornerstone. Christ alone, keystone. A cornerstone, you have four corners of a building, right? When you pull out one of the corners, uh, corner, right, a cornerstone, the house it slouches. It still stands. A keystone or a capstone is the centerpiece, the most important piece of an archway. If you pull it out, the archway collapse, collapses. So a keystone is most accurate, but right in modern society, uh, it has become a corner. Christ alone cornerstone. So uh, it's not too different, right? Not too much of a difference, but you have to understand, right? Without the love of Jesus Christ, what the Bible will produce without love is, is evil, right? And he, he say, oh, that's kind of a drastic, radical thing to say. Well, anything without love, 
right? If I'm working hard without love, I'm going to be a vicious businessman. If I'm communicating without love, I'm going to be a jerk. <laughs> if I'm, if I'm uh, living my life without love, there's no goodness there, right? And so that sort of uh, statement, right, is, is actually accurate. And that is why God chose to make love the centerpiece of all existence. You, there is no person, there is no man, nor has there ever been, nor will there ever be, that has achieved joy without love. It is the most important part of our existence. It is why God loves mankind. It is one of the reasons God loves mankind. It is the center, most important part of a Christian covenant is the word love. And so when I'm talking about building yourself into a sh from a shack into a cathedral, it's going to involve practicing, being a practitioner, practicing that one word. I'm internalizing love. I'm growing it, it within me. I'm welling it up. I'm keeping it, my focus rooted in love at all times in my life. Day after day, conversation after conversation, interaction after interaction, etc. And when you don't let that love leave, right? I've got this love, but now there's this other thing I might start reaching for. Greed, something more for myself, something more for myself that might damage someone else. You got to let it go. You got to lay it down. You say, no, thanks. I'm not interested. I don't want that. I want the love of the Lord God of Israel. I want that divinity. I want the divine ways of the spiritual kingdoms that indeed make you with God able to accomplish anything that you set your mind to. There is nothing in all existence that can stop a small group one Christian can do pretty much anything in all existence, anything they set their mind to. I heard a story about a, a gentleman, a farmer, who wanted to build a rocket that would go into space, and no problem, he did it, right? It's pretty extraordinary feat, right? <clears throat> you hear uh, stories of one gentleman, one gentleman, who wants to go out, set their mind to something, and they, they accomplish something <clears throat> insane. Uh, they want to be the richest man in the world, and so they go and become the richest man in the world, right? There is nothing that can stop the Lord God of Israel. Therefore, as the servants of God, with God dwelling within you, as the temples of God, God is with you, dwelling within you. Therefore, you can do anything you set your mind to. And anyone who tells you otherwise, they're, they're preaching uh, faithless thoughts, right? <sighs> that which tears down, right? Someone using words or implying you're not going to make it, something like that. You can't do it. Those are opposite to God. Those thoughts, right? When we're having those thoughts, doubtful thoughts or self-defeating thoughts, right? They're opposite to the Lord God of Israel. And so where, where are these battles taking place, right? Well, they're taking place within ourselves, within our souls, within our minds, within our hearts, right? And so this is part of that parable where Christ is saying, 
why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye when all the, t all the time there's a pillar in your own eye, right? And so he's saying you got to focus on yourself. Get the inward clean. Get the dish, your inward dish clean. Clean yourself. Get yourself into that spiritual alignment with God, into that state known as righteousness. And when you start getting into that state, you'll start feeling it you'll know that there's change happening in your life, that you're moving towards that predetermined, that purpose that God has set before you. Now, uh, biblically, biblically, it's sort of a, maybe a contentious point. Maybe I should do some more research on it, but it suggests that God will not yield his glory to another, right? And that would suggest that you can't do it, but... You, right, you can't lose it, but it's not, it's not really can't lose it. It's more like God's a champion. He's going to keep trying. He's going to keep trying to get you there. He's going to keep working with you your whole life, right? See, the, the Christian theology of biblical practice, right, how God works with us is we're co-laborers with God uh, according to biblical scripture, right? Uh, the prophet Jonah, you see the prophet Jonah disobey God. God says, no, you're, you're coming to your destiny. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you a miracle. This whale's going to come. He's going to swallow you up. He's going to spit you out right in front of where I want you to be. Okay. He will not yield his glory to another. But free will, again, like I said, is the ability to defy God. Therefore, right, at that point where Jonah is spit out onto the shores of Nineveh, he has the option to go back and face something like the whale again, something like getting thrown over into his likely death again. He could face that situation again. But Jonah, he says, no, I've, I've had enough disobedience to the Lord God of Israel. I've had enough foolishness and sin. I've had enough suffering and misery in my life. I want the ways of God. And if God tells me to go preach to the Ninevites, then lo and behold, that's what I'm going to go do. And so when God is calling you, right, answering the call of God, lo and behold, right, it's something you're going to be passionate about. God didn't make you, uh, right, like hating what he's going to call you to do. That's nonsense, right? You're going to be purpose for it you'll be shaped you have been shaped in your mother's womb formed in your mother's womb for a purpose right but indeed you have free will so if you want to battle god your whole life right and uh right uh, eh, let me think of another example that's not a very pleasant one um do something else, right? If you want to refuse God your whole life, you can miss your purpose. But it's going to be like you sitting in a place of misery and suffering your whole life instead of going and experiencing what God has for you, that awesome portion, that uh, holy land, that land of milk and honey, right? That star pointing you to true north. Well, that's God leading you to the feet of baby Jesus. And so understanding that we put our trust in God wholeheartedly and you trust and you keep going, you keep pressing in and lo and behold, God might just lead you to something 
incredibly miraculous beyond your wildest imaginations as long as you are willing to surrender to God, as long as God can see he can trust you, right? There's, there is, uh, it is Leviticus, oh man, I can't believe I forgot this verse. Maybe Leviticus 16 or 17, right? Blessings for obedience, punishments for disobedience. Uh, it might be maybe 26. I want to look real quick. Love it again. Okay, it is Levitic Leviticus 26. Uh, looks like 14 through 46, but Leviticus 26 is the general, the general um, verse, right? And that is, right, so the Bible, from the beginning to the end, it pre presents a coherent message, right? In the beginning, when Moses is giving the uh, Ten Commandments and creating the laws, i.e. listening to God to create the divine laws, the ways of Christians, that we, the Israelites, whatever you want to call them, followers of God, servants of God, whatever you want to call them, right? Uh, the prophet Isaiah says that the name of Christians, the name of the Israelites will change throughout the days as one branch, right? Uh, you see the Protestants, right? Well, the Protestants, lo and behold, right, they're not protesting Jesus Christ. So when you see people preaching opposite to the Lord God of Israel, opposite to Jesus Christ, you know they're not Christian at all. They are of the spirit of the Antichrist, right? Opposite against Christ, right? And those are against God. They're agents of the devil. They're agents of evil on earth, right? And so when you see the Protestants, they're protesting Catholic corruption, right? That's what Isaiah is talking about. Uh, people shifting from one name, we say, ah, you know, that, that, that branch has become corrupt. So we're now, whatever, we're now Christians, we're now Protestants, whatever you want to call us, right? And the name changes over and over and over again throughout the Bible, right? This is the, the heirs of mankind, right? Letting corruption in. Interestingly enough, another common theme throughout the Bible is mankind, right? We were seeking this like utopia, right? We were seeking this glorious society. Uh, throughout the Bible and lo and behold over and over again God is handing it to these people who are seeking it over and over and over again and he says okay I'm giving you utopia all right I'm giving you utopia it's gonna be awesome you're gonna love it but don't let the evil people in and lo and behold time and time again uh, the, the utopia's downfall is because mankind disobeys God they show they let the evil people in, right? Um, this is uh, shown in in the book of Joshua, right? Where Joshua uh, is told to conquer the land and let no none of the people who are evil in the land remain, right? And lo and behold, these uh, I think they're Gideonites or Gadites, something like that. They they come to Joshua and they sneak they sneak into the camp and make a make the leaders of the camp take an oath that they won't be destroyed but god has already told them destroy everyone in the land right because right why does god send his servants to destroy other people because they're corrupt they've surrendered they've fallen right and so when you see people protesting christ right they're fallen 
They're the fallen. They're nothing to do with us, right? Understanding that's very important, right? You love them. You teach them. You show them. But it's not like, uh, <laughs> I'm going to do it your way. If you do it their way, you're not going to do it. be doing it God's way. And a Christian's purpose is to do it God's way. That's part of our calling. It's part of our life. It's the covenant, right? The holy sacred covenant that Christians, we take up, whether you know it or not, right? When you take up the Bible, you start reading the Bible, you're entering into an agreement, a covenant with God. And an agreement, a covenant, right? With God, what does an agreement mean? It means there's something we're agreeing to. We're agreeing to keeping our souls holy for the Lord God of Israel. We're agreeing to keeping our temples righteous for God to the best of our abilities, right? And understanding that God's forgiveness is incredible, right? So when we fall down, God comes and embraces us and lifts us up, right? <clears throat> That's... Ah, I can't tell you how excited I am to release the, the book of Matthew. There are so many uh, verses that are totally, totally manipulated today. Um, one, of the, one of the verse differences is uh, when the Pharisees are persecuting Christ, uh, Christ says, uh, supposedly, modern Bibles have Christ saying, oh, if, if your ox falls into a pit, eh, wrong. Uh, it is if you're on one of your flock or a sheep maybe definitely uh hinting a flock of sheep but if one of your flock falls down while they're going up the mountainside right i.e the flock the sheep is headed to heaven up the mountain of god and they fall down won't you go and embrace them and pick them up right i.e fall down into a pit doesn't really make any sense right falling down is you fall down in sin or you fall down in exhaustion, fall down in doubt, whatever, right? But then the pit <coughs> symbolizes something quite quite different. And so the pit, uh, the word pit is not present at all in the ver in the verse. So uh, modern Bible scholars, they just made it up. They just twisted the scriptures to their own destruction. And so understanding, right, this loss of content that's going on in the Bible that I am fixing is uh, it's actually pretty major. I was sh I am shocked. I am shocked how major it is. Uh, there is massive omitted content. There is uh, there is full full verses like okay maybe not like a half of a verse that has just been cut out of the Bible completely. And here's the thing, right? So if if the ancient Bible scholars cut out the verse, uh, let's say, I don't know, let's say in the 1100s, right? All the scholars post the 1100s will have also, right, they'll be using the mo more modern versions of the Bible to try to produce uh, later versions of the Bible. And therefore, that content will be lost forever without those um, Bible translators, those Bible scholars, uh, knowledge and so only only today right today we're, we're so blessed we have these this incredible the internet is an absolutely incredible invention we have this 
practically limitless pool of knowledge right at our fingertips. And so while 10 King James scholars, i.e. who wrote the King James Bible, may have been able to uh, outright, right, produce a very, very effective, very, very efficient, very, very good version of the Bible, uh, today, right, with the resources available, uh, even one of us has the ability, right, to access probably thousands, thousands of different sources when we're analyzing uh, uh, scripture, ancient scriptures, and produce a, a better version of the Bible. And that is, right, it's, it's the pooling of 10 knowledge, 10 people's knowledge, or the pooling today, modern, of uh, thousands of people's knowledge into what what is our goal? Our goal is to produce the most accurate version of the Bible uh, in existence, right? Accurate, not our version, not how I want it to be, but how God wants it to be. How the Lord God of Israel intended his scriptures to be uh, read, right? And so this falling down into a pit, right? You're falling down. That's the, that's the, the falling down in sin or falling down in some sort of exhaustion, the pit symbolizes what then, right? Falling, if they fall down into hell, makes no sense. Or it's a re, reiteration, right? They fall down in sin, they fall down in sin, doesn't make sense. And so when they're going in the actual, right, 2,000 year old ancient version of the Bible, right, it is fall down, i.e. they fall down in sin or doubt, etc., going up the mountainside, yeah, going up the mountainside of the Lord, right? Going up into heaven when they fall down, won't you, who who amongst you won't go and embrace them, lifting them up, right? And so this loss of biblical content that's going on today, it's uh, pretty horrific, right? And you'll see the mega churches twisting the scriptures to their own destruction, uh, even even beyond the modern versions of the Bible, right? Uh, uh, currently, right, uh, Christ says in about 50% of the Bibles uh, that all sin will be forgiven, i.e. God doesn't have a choice. God chose to forgive. But lo and behold, if you correlate that with other scriptures, you can see that they're, they're twisting the scriptures because the other scriptures won't align, right? There's one Christ, there's one in these versions of the Bible that say Christ will forgive all sin or all sin is forgiven, right? One verse will be changed, and the other verses are still saying all sin is not forgiven, right? And so, uh, obviously, right, those are broken. Those are false versions of the Bible. False versions of the Bible go like this. Accurate versions of the Bible, they go like this, pointing to heaven, right? And so understanding that is extremely important. I'll tell you guys, uh, I'm working about 12 hours a day and uh, correlating with many, many sources and uh, colleagues to produce uh, the most accurate version of the Bible. Uh, but it, we're still, it's a very, very uh, <clears throat> long, slow, careful, careful process, right? So understanding that is important and uh, all right. I think that's a good place to end the stream for the day. So blessings on y'all. Don't ever forget how much God loves each and every one of you. Right. Uh, I'm trying to get the book of Matthew out as fast as possible. And like I said, you know, putting in, putting in the hours, 
but it does take a lot of time. So blessings on you all. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your day.